Welcome to the Norfolk Folklore Society. I'm Shifra. I'm Stacia. And today we've got a story about a ghost on Exchange Street. Mm. Just you might hear noises behind me because obviously Peanut is picking right now to go a little bit loopy. <laughs> just like scuttling. Kind of goes though, because today's is a ghost story, so all you can hear is just like creepy scuttling around in the background. Like, and I've just heard something. Around fly off a shelf yeah so as I logged in yours is actually spooky mine is just a tiny dog I know to be fair mine is only a tiny dish but um it did fly <laughs> off a shelf as as I logged in which bodes well doesn't it brilliantly brilliantly mm, fantastic so, so just I start... in case oh, oh yeah I was just about to say in case people don't know where exchange tree is because I guess we have to we have to cater for those that don't know Norwich. It is mm. right slap bang in the middle of Norwich, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. If you know Norwich vaguely, even from pictures, there's the market in like pretty much the centre. And then kind of just down from that is Gerald, which is like obviously a legendary shop in Norfolk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then it, that's Exchange Street, basically. And there's an excellent cafe down there, number 33. Mm which mm-hmm. is always a massive queue outside. Yeah. <laughs> but they've just opened and a new one. Have you seen that? Um, it's in Yeah. Looks lovely. Yeah. And you take dogs, apparently. Um, and, yeah, and, and a dark entity down there, yeah, which is always Yeah, apparently nice. so. So it's probably one of um, Norwich's busiest kind of yeah. streets, I would say, you know. Yeah. It, it is, and to be fair, it is pretty much always very busy. Um, yeah. But over our years in these, in this field <laughs> um we've had four stories come in from there um yeah. sorry i'm just going to grab peanut just bear with me one second please okay. hold that thought stacia hold that line yeah so there's there's four stories come in from the same um block of buildings which are towards the end of exchange street and and you know that we always make sure everything is okay before we say where things are i did contact um, the people who own the building now, oh. um, who had a, uh, had a conversation. I think he thinks I'm mad <laughs> um, and said, no, absolutely not. Nothing that they knew of. Um, but this is said to affect kind of all of the these these buildings at the end. But we will get to that. Yeah. I mean, and some of the stories are a little bit more unnerving than others. Some are pretty mm. like tame, I guess. But there is one, one in particular yeah one there's one in particular which we'll we'll start with which is like kind of the one I guess that kind of piqued our interest yeah um so our first story comes from a gentleman called Martin who did you actually speak to I actually spoke to him yeah not his real name Uh, okay interesting Mm -hmm. Mm. um he told us of an unsettling episode which happened when he was working on a magazine which was produced by the Norfolk branch of the Friends of the Earth um and at the time the charitable organization was based on Exchange Street um just close to where it meets St Andrew Street like along the bottom um I did actually try to work out which building it is but really weirdly um, there's no mention of the North or the like Norwich branch of Friends of the Earth in the local papers. 
from that time so it, it is there it, it's online somewhere but you have to you have to go you have to go deep down yeah. so it's in the 90s wasn't it yeah um mm. so yeah it was in the 1990s and martin and um other volunteers regularly worked night shifts there um i guess because they had their day jobs and they would go and help out on this magazine in, in the evenings. Um, Martin said, we often crawled into work around late afternoon and worked through the night. There were rumours about the office space, which he had heard from others who had worked in the building at night. Um, people had heard disembodied footsteps that appeared from nowhere, um, banging that couldn't be explained, and uh, lots of like strange noises that, that couldn't be accounted for. But the building was old and made, you know, old buildings make weird noises. Um, there was a busy road outside. So there's always, always like lots of excuses as to why, um, you know, where that noise was coming from. Um, but they weren't necessarily kind of thought of as being paranormal, which I think is probably a really common thing, isn't it? Like, I think our human brain kind of tries to rationalise it and say, oh, that must have mm. been just... A pigeon on the roof which it usually mm. is in this house <laughs> <laughs> oh that's just a dish flying off a shelf yeah yeah that's fine <laughs> <laughs> it's an old house yeah um but on um a particularly late shift um a trip to the kitchen was in order to make a hot drink um which involved walking along a 10-foot windowless corridor from the office to the kitchen um it was it was unlit because the light bulbs had long since disappeared. Um, so they stole them. Oh, um, uh, <laughs> you that so he, out. <laughs> he said to me, he said to me that um, because they didn't get paid uh -huh. because they were already skinned, like stuff like toilet roll and and, and light bags. bulbs were were seen as currency. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, so Martin says one night, as while walking along this this unlit corridor one night I was hit by what can only what I can only describe as a wall of misery in the unlit corridor the dark was even darker where this thing was it was like a damp sheet of a very black space wrapping itself around me with the aforementioned misery and overwhelming sadness and fear condensed into a few seconds I headed very quickly to the safety of the kitchen at the end of the corridor and spent a long time there before I had the guts to head back through to get to the office. Mm. Martin was unsure what happened on that night 30 years ago, but it has stayed with him. Mm. So he what was, was it like when he was telling you this? I think he was just, he he has never been able to forget it, which you wouldn't, mm. would you? I mean, if you think about it, it's probably seconds but mm. if something like that happens, it 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 would stick with you, wouldn't it? Mm. And I think he just couldn't work out what it was and had no idea no idea of, of what what had happened, why it might have happened, or anything. So it was really um brilliant to be able to kind of take what he told us and then kind of run with it mm. and look exactly what used to be there. And then look back and talk to other people who work in that row of houses mm. and discover that this is not a one-off. Possibly mm. this level of, of malevolence is a one-off. Yeah, one -off. and I think definitely, so um, we, we will get to the other like kind of accounts shortly, mm. but this is definitely the only one that has that kind of like 
sense of misery and despair I guess yeah which which kind of when I was when I was looking it up other accounts of kind of people who've seen things that they can't explain would point you to think that on the you know if there was a an internationally recognized encyclopedia of ghosts which I don't believe there is um it seems that this would fall into the shadow people stroke demon um areas which are kind Mm. of you know when you talk about that it's blacker than black Mm. you know people talk about seeing these spaces where it's kind of like black matter Mm. you know the very blackest black and and it's that coldness that fear that that kind of feeling that you're being enveloped in something that you can't escape and then that's what and I think he's he's a rational chap, you know. He, I don't think he, he he's one of the one of the brigade who's kind of like you know I don't I'm not sure I believe, but mm. you know you kind of think how could you not? Yeah, because he also says that um, there were other people around, but none of them actually like saw anything. No, so nobody. There were other accounts of things happening there, mm. and um, when I first wrote this story and it first went out in a local newspaper um we had a we had somebody come to my private account um to tell me that their daughter was a hairdresser who worked had worked there I don't think there was a I don't believe there's a hairdressing salon there anymore um and things had happened there and I know somebody who worked in the building as well who was told, they didn't experience anything, but was told almost immediately when they joined um, that there was just a great deal of activity mm. and to not be worried about. <laughs> yeah, so so some of the other, like, stories, so you mentioned, like, the um, someone who worked at a former hairdresser's mm. um, and, and two other businesses around there, and all of their kind of, like, experiences are quite similar. So mm. stories about lights turning themselves on and off, um, footsteps again um, things would be moved and laughter would be heard sometimes you'd hear older children in the building but but then there were none there it never mm. felt evil or male- male- malevol- malevolent <laughs> just a bit cheeky and the yeah. people I worked with weren't afraid which is really contrasting to what Martin obviously experienced yeah actually and, something and they really are scary. different they're different buildings mm. okay. so Martin's bottom of the road this mm-hmm. one, next one up. Mm-hmm. Um, and the one, and a couple of these accounts here are from people who are there now. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it doesn't worry them. And certainly the business that's that's at the bottom of the road, nothing. Um, although they are not based upstairs. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, this area that we're talking about is, is kind of so historic that you would probably need about a hundred years in order to go through everything um, that's there. But I think the most, that I, I think it's really nice with the story when you can actually direct people to where this happened and they can still see something of the past there. Mm-hmm. And with this particular row of buildings, if you go down to the bottom of Exchange Street and turn towards Duke Street, immediately as you round the corner, if you look down the alleyway, you will see a medieval flint wall. Mm. And that flint wall is part of St. Crouch's Church. 
which was desecrated, I think, in the 1500s mm-hmm. during the dissolution. But you can still see a stone head there. It's it's kind of a bit decayed. A yeah, bit it's quite weathered now, wear. isn't it? Yeah, but it's there. And that wall, I think, was completely covered um for a long time but but forms that's one of the that's it's uh, one of the main the the, the, the yeah. supporting walls I guess of these mm. like that row of shops isn't it yeah yeah um, it's which quite is incredible thing. it is quite incredible I I did like have a bit of a dig around and I couldn't I, I and I'm sure it's there I'm sure it is and if anyone can tell me then that is would be really helpful like when those how that when those buildings were put up and at what point they kind of like incorporate incorporated the um the church building I think that they're Georgian so I, I was gonna say they I language. was genuinely gonna say they look quite Georgian to me I wasn't just saying that because yeah. I know you like Georgian stuff I do like Georgian stuff they do yes. look very Georgian mm. um they do um, so I, I couldn't uh, see anything before that really no, I think they were covered. I think the Georgian buildings are an add-on. I think there was something in between. Mm. So the, the church was demolished in, well, it obviously wasn't, was it? Part of it was demolished in 1551. Um, those buildings were up by the time other work happened. Mm-hmm. In 1834, workmen were excavating the lower part of Exchange Street and they found skeletons, bones, which would have been in the churchyard. Mm. Um, and there was this pub, the hole in the wall that was there. Yeah. And that's definitely Georgian because that's where the Norwich artists met. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. Yeah. So they they met there. That was the place. That was their gaff where they mm-hmm. went and talked about art when they weren't at the assembly house. <laughs> they were there. And when they got rid of that um, to build Exchange Street, they found that the pub the hole in the wall which was there which may well have been there from the end of the 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 church's life life. yeah so when they demolished the hole in the wall pub it was then that they realized that it had been built within the church's chancel that's amazing isn't it it's incredible isn't it can you imagine that yeah um and of course they've they've kept part of that there so you can see that today and um, you did share a really interesting story about the um, the actual graveyard in your in your original piece, which I thought was like fascinating. That it was actually part of a really important pilgrimage. Mm. Like it's so weird to think that this site that's just like completely built over was actually a really important place for people to go. And it was because <laughs> the um, the parents of Bishop Gilbert of Hammer. Yeah, he was, and- he was. I think he was consecrated in in Norwich. Mm-hmm. He he. He trolled off literally to <laughs> Scandinavia for a bit, mm-hmm. came back. But mum and dad, yeah, Adam and Bottled, yeah, were buried in St. Crouch's, which is and St. Crouch's is Crouch's Cross. Yes, yeah, I did see that. So it's the um, church of the, the Holy Cross. Of the Holy Cross, yeah. So I like the fact that the the pilgrimage was so incredibly specific. So you went along, you you as part of your pilgrimage elsewhere as well. You would probably pop to in. Walsingham. <laughs> yeah, pop in, and um, if you prayed for Adam and Bottled, I mean, is it Bottled? That's I a, think that's how you say it. Bottled. Bottled. Anyway, bottled. Adam's <laughs> wife, um, and Gilbert's mum. Um, <laughs> you would receive three hundred days of pardon from God. Like he's mm. just like yeah, yeah, cool. Yes, fine. Off you, you, go. Said, you know, you popped in to see Adam and 
fossiled <laughs> and so have 300 days off uh, you know all the other stuff you've done yeah. so whether or not they were moved I don't know or are they underneath there possibly mm, possibly they possibly um, still are I did hmm. also find out so I was trying to look into like what the buildings were um because to be I was interested if the buildings you know had any kind of like sordid history or you know anything mm. creepy um I couldn't really see that they did um so in 1894 two of the buildings were a tailor's the same tailor's they were connected so that those two buildings were connected that was 34 to 36 number 38 was drugs which I'm assuming was um Mr King's chemist which is where they found outside the body that when they found the skeleton, so that was Mr. Kim, that was number 38. Then number 40 was was prov, which I'm assuming means provisions. So that was like, that's, I think the provision store, it sounds like is where the, um, the friends of the earth was. Um, and then behind it, there was lots of stables from the pub so that people would like put their horses there while they went to the pub. Mm. So, and a bottle store and stuff. So initially, that doesn't really seem like anything particularly distressing. No. I mean, I wondered when I looked at the really old maps, it kind of looks like the Duke's Palace um, encroached on this area. And in the way that in the way that um, when you look at the churches of St. Peter Mancross, St. Stephen's and where the Assembly House was, if you actually look at how close they were to each other. Mm. I mean, literally, you could have thrown a stone from each of them mm. and caught it. So when you had a church and you had the palace, they were, you know, in each other's pockets, basically. Mm. And the Duke's Palace, which is now, of course, it was a multi-storey building. It's now a multi-storey car park. Yeah. Um, but which, bizarrely, I discovered the multi-storey car park. So when they, when they dug for it, um they found remnants of britain's first ever bowling alley i heard i did read about that that was so cool (laughs) wasn't it why don't we make more of that that norwich was the first to have a a bowling alley in the uk anyway they found a bit of that they found a bit of the old workhouse which is where i'm going to with this Mm -hmm. and they found a bit of the workhouse and they found one of the walls from they think the kitchen of the the duke's palace which was huge and opulent and, and off the scale um the biggest and poshest house in Norwich um but they found it and they literally have built the car park over the top so they have preserved it oh, so, so it's um, still there so if we knock down the car park is, if we knock down the car park we could we like make see, a thing about it we could go bowling and it would be awesome but I don't think that's going to happen but yeah how weird is that that they it's there underneath that car park another Norwich first that I found out when I was finding about this um, so the street that it's on, it was it's Exchange Street now, but it's had various other names. One of them is Post Office Street. Mm. And did you know that Norwich was like the first place to have a postcode? Stamp. Mm. Isn't that amazing? I think when you work for a local newspaper, the number of times that you have to write a feature called <laughs> First Times Things Happen in Norwich <laughs> or Norfolk, I must have written that feature. Well, who knows? But it's like within like, yeah, oh, it's, it's really cool. It? Like the first yeah. postcode um, and like the but- first bowling alley. Lots of firsts happened in that postcode. Yeah. But um, yeah, so that that the Duke's Palace was built in um 1540s, 
huge like massive it was a palace so it had a fountain a tower the bowling alley a tennis court it was remodeled over the years to a car park I'm sure he's thrilled about that had a multi-story car park Um, in 1711 it was demolished so it didn't last very long no um and it became a workhouse and it became a legendary workhouse for all the wrong reasons it was absolutely vile um I think in our notes, um, I'll send you a picture for them, which is the leg irons and neck irons that a 12-year-old kid was forced to wear day and night. Um, It was a place of like absolute, utter misery. And it was notorious across the whole of the UK. One of the prison reformers came to it and he said um, he came in 1805 and he was so disgusted by it. He said the appearance of the poor was singularly squalid, dirty and miserable, and their clothing ragged and ragged and wretched, he wrote, adding the sick lived with the well, causing the spread of killer infections such as smallpox. He was horrified that a 12-year-old boy was forced to wear an iron collar with four projecting prongs secured by a padlock along with a leg iron, which was secured a log, which was two foot seven inches and weighed 22 pounds. He wore his torture implement day and night. Um... So, yeah, I think there is a lot of misery that was in that area. Mm. Though um, that wasn't quite on this site, though, was it? Not quite so, on this site, no. But, but we don't know the buildings that were there before the... Oh, no, it would have been these buildings, wouldn't it? The Georgian, it yeah. would have been these buildings that were next to that. So we don't yeah. know if people from, there. you know, what happened in those upper rooms of those buildings. Like, and often, revoltingly, children would be broken free from workhouses, like young girls and young boys, um, in order to be used by the patrons of the pubs. And there so, was a pub like literally next door to these buildings. Literally so. next door. And, and you kind of wonder also the fact that there were stables in this area. Were they, in fact, the Duke's Palace stables that were then reused? Mm. There was so much reusing going on there. You can see it there with the wall still there. Yeah. You kind of think, well, how much of that building was reused, Mm. you know, by the Duke's Palace, by was it lived in by servants? Was it, you know, I don't know. It just seems... It seems that if you're looking for if you're looking for misery, dark, awful stories, then they were. It's interesting. I hadn't in my head. I hadn't like pictured that these buildings would have been at the same time as the workhouse, but they absolutely would have been. And I was like, yeah, it just didn't cross my mind. I was like, oh well, nothing really seemed to happen. But obviously, it's not going to be documented that stuff that happened. Another thing that had crossed my mind, which is like speculation wild speculation wild (laughs) but this really reminded me of another story in Norwich um which was at the old Edinburgh woolen mill yes and when I did the research on that initially that used to be a tailor's and these building part of these buildings used to be a tailor's I'm like Mm. did the tailors get up to something like were they using human flesh well, you know, were there some kind? This is just ridiculous, I know, but it's just an interesting thought. Like, was there some kind of, you know, occult practices that were happening that's left a residue? Because, like, the Edinburgh Woolen Mill isn't 
completely dissimilar to this you know it's like phantom footsteps things moving um uneasy feelings you know it's just I just thought, and they're very similar sort of buildings as well mm. you know with like the shop on the lower level and then the people would have even like worked above those shops and maybe then lived above that um it's just interesting that very similar I think, buildings I have. think Martin said to me I'm sure he did somewhere along the line that he had thought for a bit that it might have been sleep he might have fallen asleep and it mm. But he said, you know, he wouldn't have fallen asleep on his way to the no. to make no. a cup of tea. And it's really, it really has totally stuck with him. And I just think that it's one thing, isn't it, seeing seeing a ghost and kind of almost recognizing mm. what it is, or or seeing movement or seeing or hearing things. But this kind of idea of of walking head first, or worse being unable to pass mm. this wall of of blackness of of you know and, and all we and although we say that the um the corridor was like windowless and unlit we can i think it's safe to assume that the room that martin was coming from was lit and the room the kitchen was possibly lit but the, so there would mm. have been some light so he would have been able to kind of see this blackness mm. it's not I like it's I think it's kind of I think it's kind of um spectacularly chilling isn't it that mm. that thought and I think he was on his own that night I think he was on I his own in the building um I think other people had been around and had and seen, seen that sort of or heard before. those things mm. um but I don't think that I don't think there was anyone there when Do you have was. any thoughts on what it is or was I don't know. I mean, as I said, I've I've also included in the notes a really interesting thesis from a woman in America who's written, I thought it would just be a piece on kind of demons, but I had Googled black matter, shadows, Mm. that kind of thing. And this this thesis came up and it actually turns out that she um, experienced one. So it's a completely different kind of thesis because mm. it starts with her saying, look, I'm going to have to put my hands up here. I was possessed by a demon. And you kind of think, oh, well, that's not, not what you normally read in a boring <laughs> yeah. thesis about. So I thought, oh, it'll be probably quite dull, but it really wasn't. Um, and she kind of speaks about this business of, of four different kinds of demons, which I will not go through. But one of them, the last one, is already inhabited. That's the category, which means a demon was already in residence at a dwelling and people either moved in or crossed its path by accident often Mm. without prior knowledge that anything was living there and it's it's not attached to them it's not attached they've not done anything they've not welcomed it in Mm. you know they've not been messing about with a Ouija board and you know um it was there it's attached to the building and it pops up if it fancies it basically Mm. so by her means it would still be there but Mm. you know I don't know. I mean, the thing is, who is working through the night now upstairs? Who Very, is, yeah. Who you know? It just, I don't know. Do demons need you to be on your to own? Be, and yeah, it's probably not. I don't know. It's a bit so of a I went note, down it? like um, the route of ectomist. Right. Oh, like the black mist. Yeah. So I, I just, I, I just put in like paranormal mists. And so then there's this whole theory of like ectomist, which is 
it's not necessarily it's well there's two theories about what it is it's either like a, an entity that hasn't got the the strength to like fully form so it's like a kind of like floaty version of an actual kind of entity of some sort or it seems to be a lot of people have this idea that it's like um something that happen it's not actually a spirit but it happens around when there's going to be paranormal activity so yeah it's like almost like a side effect and or like a a, a signal that there is going to be some paranormal activity but this one I don't know I don't think that this sounds like ectomist I don't think this sounds it, like it hasn't got any power. Yeah, that's it. This is obviously something that has got some power. Well, um, this was the other thing I read when I when I Googled probably exactly the same kind of thing, and it said this shadow activity, which is a type of haunting that has no explanation, different from ghosts, usually shapeless dark masses, mostly seen with peripheral vision, known to do things that are different from ghosts, can move between walls, have no human features, don't wear clothes. Um, and people who encounter them have a feeling of dread, mm. which also sounded quite similar, didn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, some people say they appear to be made up of dark smoke or dark steam or dark matter. Mm. And at times when they move, they appear to be moving on an invisible track, which makes me think of the mighty bush. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they always say something that just then makes it sound really silly. <laughs> <laughs> I just love it in films when something's obviously on like wheels. <laughs> yeah, just being pulled you. along by someone. <laughs> yeah, like a toy dog. I, however, I I really would not find it funny if a no, dog. No, that was. It would be cool if like if someone could do an investigation in that building. It would do, and and you know, and I'm sure someone will now try to. Um, I, I hope don't they do, that's... and then tell us about it. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. Having no, I don't get from what you say um, about the owners probably not and I don't personally fancy popping up there myself particularly um you know I'm quite happy mm. to hear the story and and just look at it from the outside really. has made but, me think I do know someone who works in um some buildings at the opposite side like at the opposite end of that little bit yeah. and it's I've been in that building and it's really old. And when I was in there, I was like, I bet this is haunted. So do you know what? I'm going to message him tomorrow and ask yeah, him if it is. And if it I is, mean, if we can go and spend the night there. Um, yeah, I think I think it I think it lends more weight with A, somebody who I know is not, you know, um, you know, I don't want to use the word woo-woo, but I just have. Mm. Um, and also the fact that I know people who, again, are not interested in any of this, but kind of said, oh, well, and then they told me that, you know, it's haunted on all floors. Mm. And, I wonder and... if there's been any um, weird stuff happen. I bet lots of weird stuff has happened in the car park, but you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> hmm. I, don't, I mean, because if it, it was the site of the Duke's Palace, it was the site of the mm. workhouse. You would think if there's going to be yeah. any like residual kind yeah. of stuff, that's going to be there. In the podcast notes that will be coming out in the Norfolk Folklore Society Substack letter, which all of you should be signed up to because yeah. it's awesome free at the moment content. Yeah. Um it there's a there's a piece you can click onto, which is by the brilliant Colonel Unthank, about the Deeks Palace, which kind of makes it really simple to understand, probably unlike I have. And um there's also a piece. The, the original piece about the workhouse in there too okay. and it is really kind of sobering reading on both mm. both parts but 
this 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 palace was immense. I mean, it was it was huge. Um, I think King Charles and his queen stayed there when they came to Norwich. Mm. Um, it was it was quite something. But the work, you know, and then then the irony of this place being used as a workhouse. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say to you about that. I I don't. I couldn't live on. You know, people live in workhouses mm. which have been done up, and you know, you think of Gresson Hall, beautiful. Lovely. Um, I don't think I could live in one. Ah. Could you? I don't know. I've not really thought about it. Um, I think somewhere like that is on a par to, I mean, it's not on a par, but it's somewhere where there was abject, horrific misery mm. and a misery that was caused, not like, you know, so people in the hospital, in the old hospital, there was misery there, there was sadness, but no one was causing yeah, people it was people going there to actually try and get better. Yeah, it exactly. Wasn't... Whereas a workhouse... I it depends all... on the workhouse, though, because I know, were they all, no. were all the people cruel? I think it's a bit harsh to tarnish everyone who worked, at, you know, who was like an employee of the workhouse to tarnish them to say that they were all cruel. I think like... the reforms in the, in the 1800s made them a lot better. Mm. But, I but they still, still would think... have been people suffering and sadness, and yeah, yeah, and people who were forced to live there because they had. And, and then you're living there in like relative luxury, and like if you start thinking about what the people before kind of went through in those rooms, I guess it could start making you feel a bit uncomfortable. It's just not for but me. But then other really other people are like it's just a building, you know. Yeah, but would those people live on the site where they knew loads of people had been killed? No. Probably not. I don't know. It's an interesting question. That's that's interesting. It is an interesting one. It'll be interesting to hear if any of our listeners. It's funny to think that we have listeners. Where there's been mass torture, how do you feel? How do you sleep at night? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so that's a lovely thing. So next time you're in Gerald's, maybe pop over the road and see if you can see a shapeless dark entity. In one of the upstairs windows. Envelops you in misery. 